Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back to Shelters by Jesus Radio. I am your host, Seth. I'm here with my co-host, Al. Good morning, Al. Well, good morning, Seth. Uh, it's morning in some places. But, it is. And this is. is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Today, we have an incredible guest with us. We've had him here before, back when we were first starting, and our equipment was giving us all kinds of trouble, but he's got all kinds of testimonies to share with us today. I'm very excited to have Pastor Richard Berry back with us, the uh, senior pastor of Shelters by Jesus. Welcome back, Pastor. Thank you, guys. Excited to be here. Amen. So, Pastor, it's good to have you back. I know last time we had uh, some technical issues, but we were growing, and and God got us through it all, and here we are today to have you back in the studio with us. And we're actually, for some of our listeners that may not know, incredibly extra blessed to have you with us today, um, because there were some some things going on, and I'm hoping that you'd be willing to share with us, like, sort of walk us through what happened so that those who don't know can get a sense of what what went on. Well, it's, uh, yeah... (laughs) Where do you start, right? Yeah, I wasn't feeling too well, and uh, to put it bluntly, I had to go to the bathroom and couldn't, which is a pretty normal everyday thing. And uh, so a few days went by, so I went to the hospital, and they treated me uh, for that and sent me home. And uh, a couple days later, nothing changed, and I started all of a sudden just coughing and hacking and just a mess. And I thought it was all due to that. So my wife said, you got to go to the ER. They, they got to do something for you again. So I went over and I'm sitting there and they said, well, we'll, we'll uh, run some x-rays and see if you're impacted and all of that. And I go in and get the x-rays. They come back and they said, you're clean. And I said, okay. And they go, so this is weird. So we're going to run some blood tests. And about 20 minutes later, come back in the room and they go, uh, you're staying. <laughs> I said, you know, just give me some X-Lax and I'll go home. And they said, uh, we got to rush you to the hospital down in the east of Maine. Your kidneys shut down. They're not working. Mm. I said, what? Mm. And so the next thing I know, uh, they're setting me up for an ambulance ride to uh, east of Maine Medical. And the guy's telling me on the way down, he said, your kidneys, he had it on the machine. He said, they told me to watch you and I had the paddles ready. They said, your counts are so high that you could have a heart attack on the way down, which I didn't understand any of this. And I'm not... I don't even feel that sick outside of, of nauseous. I got feel like I go to the bathroom. That's it. And uh, so I'm getting a little nervous. Then he starts saying, well, they'll be, setting you up, they'll be setting you up on dialysis. And I said, dialysis? What is going on here? And uh, yeah, he said, yeah, this don't look good. He said, you're really in bad shape. You're a real sick man. And I'm thinking, well, appreciate you repeating that. But so get down to the hospital and uh, they get me up in the room and they said, uh, we got to get you in on some beds quick. And they get hooked up. And they said, uh, we'll have me watching you all night long here because you could go into a heart attack because you have a uh, carotene of 17. Now, I don't, I didn't know what carotene it is. And they said, anything over three is dialysis. Mm. And you're on a 17. Well, I just thought, well, it's another number. And then the doctor comes in and he said, uh, we're going to watch you through the night. He said, I'm going to be honest with you. We're really nervous. You may not even make it. Wow. And I'm I don't even hardly feel sick. And I'm standing there going, what do you mean I'm not going to make it? My wife comes in about half an hour after that. We just sit and hug and cry. Mm. And she can't stay because of COVID. And she's leaving. I'm left in a room by myself, an empty room with four walls. And I'm just going crazy. And I'm crying out to Jesus mm. and begging him. I said, look, I'm not ready to go yet. Give me a week. I'm not afraid to see you, but I haven't got things set up. Give me a, give me a week, and I'll praise you for it. Just, right. You, just, were, you were thinking of Selma. I just wanted—I said, I got to go home and get things right with my wife. Mm. I said, 
don't let this be the last time I, I, I walk off and leave it. I don't have stuff set up for her to take care of herself or nothing. And then I uh, later find out, um, my doctor just told me yesterday uh, that they've never heard, she's in her medical profession, never heard of anybody reaching a 17 and being alive. So they started me on dialysis and I've had like, let's say four treatments and now I'm already to come back off uh, without any kidney damage. Uh, now, you said during the uh, streaming, you said that you were in the hospital and you were, you know, obviously upset. Uh, who wouldn't be? But you were you were like, why, Lord? Why? And you couldn't figure out why this was happening. I was crying out. And I said, I've, I've tried to do everything you asked me to do. I'm taking care of the homeless. And, you know, what did I do wrong? If I'd done something wrong. And uh, I, I, I was I just started wandering around the room. I was like a caged animal. I didn't know what to do. I've never been like that. And um, it was kind of it's kind of embarrassing because everybody's read my books and they know that I've seen miracles here, miracles and miracles. And I live in miracles. And I had faith. I didn't lack faith that God could do it, but I wasn't sure he would. And that's where the rubber really met the road. And I got scared. And I told him so. And uh, he, it came to mind. I could. This is what came through my mind. You know, Richard, you can walk on water. Everybody thinks you're this great man of faith that you can walk on water. Sure can if you look down and see two feet of ice under your feet. So in other words, he was like, where's your faith? That's where it was. And uh, you know, I felt like when he was out in the boat with the disciples, and they said, you know, you're going to let us drown. You, you know, you care, you wake, you sleep. And he said, no, I'm still in the boat. So I knew he could stand up and stop it, but I just didn't know if he was going to. And I was just, I was petrified. Mm. It's a great man of faith, as everybody thinks, and I've never claimed that. That's been claimed over me. Right. And so I couldn't figure out why in the world this was going on. And then this nurse came in named Mercy. Uh, from uh, She's from Kenya, and she's a pastor. was a pastor in Kenya. And I could only uh, – she had broken – her English is very broken. I mean, you think – I got hick language, but, I mean, I'm fluent <laughs> – compared to Mercy. And uh, she'd heard what we do and about the shelter, and she goes, she pointed at me, and she goes, you're going to be okay. She said, I, don't worry. I know what the, I know what this says. You man of God. You man of God. You're going to be okay. You're going to be fine. You man of God. And she just kept saying that over and over, and I go, I wish I could believe that, man. Mm. You know, but she ministered to me. And um, Was she assigned to your room, or did she just— She was just having me on the floor. She was one of those. She came in— <clears throat> Even when she wasn't, she didn't have to be in the room. She'd come in and check on me and, and just talk to me. Uh, she got my books take home. Her and her girls, her kids are reading my books right now. And then she said, I'm going to send your books to my bishop in Kenya. I want him to know about your ministry. So anyway, I'm going, what? It's got to be a reason for this. Because another thing, uh, when you hit a 17, there's no urine. Everything is shut down. My urine never shut off. Blew him away. The other thing, at 17, your urine turns like Coca-Cola, they told me. My urine never changed color. Nothing made sense about wow. what was going on with me. Not, that's why the doctors going nuts. And then until they took the biopsy and sent that over to uh, uh, the Mayo Clinic, and they came back, no disease, no scar. And the doctor looked at me and said, but your numbers for five days, they still stay there. And he goes, we can't get them down, and I don't know why. You're not, you're not responding to anything. So he said, we're just going to keep watching you around the clock, and uh, we'll be ready. He said, do you want us to put the paddles on you? And you go into, I said, yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm not, I feel like I do right now when I was laying there. I was like, I'm so confused because I don't know why this is going on. I don't, I'm not, if I felt sick, I've been different. Now, you've been in there for a while at this point, right? Yes, five days. Yeah. And uh, I was getting really tired and discouraged, and uh, 
But then I had a roommate come in, and uh, I had a chance to minister to him. Uh, his name was Mike, and he came in there, and he broke my heart, though. And he got, he got my head turned around. Started turning it. It started to turn a little bit because uh, he came in there and he said, uh, Would you like a chaplain? He goes, No, nope, I'm not spiritual. And he was in a bad way, too, right? Uh, he has a kidney thing. Uh, no, he wasn't dying, but he, he wasn't on dialysis yet either. But he was, he's 70, 76, and uh, his body wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. He was overweight and all that. But so he says, uh, No, I'm not spiritual. And so I didn't say nothing. You know, I'm. He doesn't know who I am or anything. And I, I'm not, this guy's hurting. He's upset. He's very grumpy, very angry man because he lives alone and he said nobody cares about him. There's just a veil between There's just yep. you and his. And, his and uh, mm. so finally, we lay there a while and finally I, I said, uh, I broke the ice. I, I didn't say anything other than I said, is there something I can do for you? Can I help you in any way? And he goes, no, no. He said, nobody cares about me anyway. And um, I said, well, Jesus does. I said, I'm sorry you're not spiritual. He says, when I said I'm not spiritual, don't mean I don't believe in Jesus. I love Jesus. I just hate the church. Hmm. What and a statement. He said, my son-in-law was a pastor in Colorado. Not here. I don't want anybody here. He said, I live by myself. I take care of myself. There's not one person from any church in my town that comes near me. Nobody cares about me. They don't care. The church don't care about nobody but themselves. They're, they just do their own thing. And so he equated spiritual with church, not with Jesus. So that's why he said he wasn't. Sp- I caught on then. And I started talking about this minister. I showed him my documentary and he was blown away. And he said, oh, my word, you care. I said, yeah, I care. I care about you, too. And uh, we started to be friends. And his attitude started to change. And I said, well, I'm going to tell you my theology now. I said, I used to have lots of things, but I said, I, I, I boiled it down. Love God, love your neighbor, carry bologna sandwich. And he touched his heart with his hand. He said, now I can take that, hmm. but I haven't seen that. Well, it was so funny because he was so grumpy. People come in, if he didn't like the food, he chewed on those poor people coming in. And they were so gentle with him, you know. And a couple of my young ladies, and they were, you could almost see them kind of slide back and wither. You know you, you how a young girl will? Well, you're Cow- a teacher. Power a little bit, yeah. You, you know, you're sure. a teacher. You, you, you know, if you get on, they, you know, they kind of back off. And it's like, and I and I speak up, I say, Mike, buddy, they're just doing a job, buddy. Well, nobody likes me. I say, I like you. I know. I'll do better. Well, We'd been together three days, I think, then, and uh, he was getting ready to go home. And they come in, and the breakfast wasn't what he wanted. They, I knew it wasn't because he don't want any diet stuff or anything like that, and they gave him a wrong meal. Before, he would have—I mean, when I say he'd gone off, he'd have gone off. And he looked at me, and he looked at her, and he looked at me, and he goes, i got to be nice because of him. He says, <laughs> he says, he's just nice over there, Mr. Innocent. He says, oh. he says, no— I ain't going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And uh, I had prayer with him before he left. He said, I'll tell you what. He lives quite a ways away. He says, if I get down your area one day, I'm coming to check your church out. Mm. I bless my heart. Well, I said, well, God, that's why I was here. Was was Mike? Well, I don't think so. I mean, partially. So by this point, you've been there how long? By this point, I was there about a week. Okay. And... Uh, now the numbers just started to come down a little bit. And I I had one, they put me in a dialysis. There wasn't anyone put me in dialysis because they said, 
It was going to be a waste. So they hadn't even bothered starting dialysis. That was that bad. So he says, your number's coming down. We're going to set you up on dialysis and see if we can clean this up a little bit now. So I went down for dialysis. Well, the first thing I did when I went into dialysis, uh, I was mumbling and grumbling. And he even told me then, he said, you're so, it's so weird. You're probably going to be a short term on this over. This thing's probably going to kick in because it's so weird with you because you don't have kidney damage. So if we get you cleaned out, you're probably going to get off of dialysis in a short time, anywhere from whatever up to a year. That's a short time for them. I says, okay. So I'm going down to dialysis, and I'm mumbling to myself. Nobody else. Just, come on, God. This is ridiculous. You know, I'm sick of this. You know, why, why me? You know, why, why am I getting treated like this, really? And then they slid me over into dialysis, and they hooked me up. And then right, then right after I'm hooked up, here comes another bed. A man with half a foot, crippled arms, on a lift, being put into his bed. They had to move him around. He couldn't even move himself, and they're hooking him up, and I'm looking at him. Did they bring a lady in beside me to my left, covered up all except for eyes, and all I could hear under the blanket is, uh, 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 all the time. And I'm looking at that. Then I'm looking across, and they bring in a man. He's probably, it's hard to tell her age because of the condition. I don't know, 80 years old maybe. Maybe he was a younger guy. I don't know. I never saw a man so poor except when the third world country things. You know how the skin, I don't know how to best describe it. There was bone and skin. I, I, like there was no flesh on the bone. I mean, his arm probably was three inches through. I'm not exaggerating. Look, I see dog bones were bigger. I lost. I threw my hands in the air, and I said, God, forgive me. Please forgive my attitude. I am so ashamed of myself. I am so blessed, so blessed. I, I said, would you please minister to them? Show me how I can minister. Just help these people. I'm fine, God. I'm really fine now. I, I'm sorry. I never felt, I didn't feel that repentant the day I accepted Christ. I never hurt that bad in my life. My, my heart, my guts it just, it was killing me. And I just looked at him, I said, man, this is crazy, man. God help him. Mm. And then I thought I'd learned my lesson, but I hadn't. I go back to my room, it was the night for next day I was gonna be going home. And I hadn't been sleeping forever. I went five days on tea and ice cream because I, I had nausea for five days. Well, I've lost 32 pounds, so while I was there. So I mean, I finally, the nausea left and I was able to get to sleep mm. the last night, two o'clock in the morning. The lights come on, lit that whole place up. There was a curtain drawn. I'm facing away from the, the curtain so I don't see the guy who's, I, and I was so mad. I, I was all but, it was close to a curse. For a pastor, it was a curse. I was cursing. I wasn't swearing, but, oh, I'm so ashamed of myself. I, this is how to even put over the air, but it's, it's, it's the truth. I told God I'd tell the story if he did it, if he helped me. I'm complaining about lights coming on at 2 o'clock in the morning and disturbing me. I said, been here all this time. I finally get one night's sleep. You won't even give me that. Come on. And then I hear from behind that curtain somebody sobbing saying, I got one to two years to live. They just told me I got cancer. I said, oh, my word. I did it again. And I raised both my arms to heaven. And I said, please, please forgive me and help this guy, whatever it is, help him, help me minister to him somehow. And then the nurse's butt come against the curtain between us, so I knew there was a nurse there, I saw the curtain back up. And I said, nurse, nurse, and she stuck her head through, and I said, look, I don't know if you can ask him questions or anything, I don't think, I wanna pray for that man, I wanna know if it's all right. And she never said a word, I heard from behind that curtain, yes, please, please. I said, pull that curtain back, 
pull it back. I want to see this guy. So she pulled the curtain back. And I looked at him. I says, is there anything I can do for you? He said, you have a strong rope and a, a stool or a gun? And I said, you know, it was there. I said, I, I wouldn't have known how you felt before, but I know exactly how you feel. He said, I'm so scared and so depressed. I said, I know, son. I know. And I started to cry. And I said, look. I said, you're going to make this. I said, I want to pray for you. And I did. And I said, I want to show you something. I showed him the documentary, played it on my phone. And he's patting his chest and he's crying. The tears are going down his cheeks. And he goes, oh, my, oh, my, oh, my. This is awesome. Oh, my, my, my. And I said, what you hearing about there? He can do for you. I said, he can do this. I said, he said, I got a cancer on my spine. They told me I walked in. I'm not walking now. I'm losing feeling. And they got to reduce it. But they don't want to do surgery. So they, they're going to try to keep me going for a while. But he said, I got kids and grandkids and I'm 51. Just the place. Just build a brand new home to enjoy the rest of my life with my family. He said, what did I do to deserve this? And I said, I know. I know. And I said, look. Here's what Jesus did. You saw that. I said, would you like Jesus? About a half half an hour, 45 minutes into our time. He said, yes. Mm. And he cried out to Jesus. Oh, <laughs> praise the Lord. Cried out to Jesus. Amen. And uh, we talked and prayed until 4 o'clock in the morning. And, and his, the gentleman's name is Chris. Chris. Yeah. And... and uh, yeah. And he wants to come here for, once he gets his legs under him, he wants to come here. And uh, we left at the same time. What, what you got to understand, he was on a different floor. He was on the eighth floor for cancer. I'm on the kidney one. Somehow they brought him down to my room at 2 o'clock in the morning for that one period of time. He never went back to that room again. We left at the exact same time. My wife was in the hallway. When he went for his treatment, I was going home. We had that little tiny time. And... I asked his attendants, I said, William, I said, I need to pray for him. And he told me, yes, he's, so they said, oh, yeah. And they all bowed their heads. All the attendants bowed their heads. I prayed for him. He got to pray. And he, I said, he pointed his finger at me. He says, now I know who God is. Now I'm going to ask him, give him the kind of faith you got. And I said, oh, please don't say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just felt lower than a snake's belly in the real world for my whole attitude. And I go, and I pointed right at him. I said, you're the reason I'm here. You're the reason I'm here. I said, Paul said in Corinthians, I suffered this so that I could comfort those with the comfort that God gave me. Mm. And I said, had I not been here, I would not understand your plight. I couldn't have shared this with you. God answered your prayer. Because he, had, he said he had people telling me to cry out to God. And he told me, I don't know how to cry out to God. I said, people prayed me into this hospital. <laughs> I said, now I know why I'm here. I'm here for you, Chris. Yeah, amen. And amen. we want Chris to know if he is listening, we do pray for you just about every single morning. You know, yes. yes. And uh, so I come back with a different attitude, and now I'm getting ready to come off in dialysis miraculously. And we definitely want to talk about that on the next episode because there's some testimony that you have about all of this, about what God did, and I want to share this with people. Jehovah Rapha. If you have a need, he has a name. 
Amen. He's our provider. He's the seer. He's our righteousness. Everything. He's, he's our shepherd. He's our banner. It, it, it goes on and on. But he was he was there with you, Pastor. And, and I know that's it's a very such a touching story to be sharing, and a number of stories. And so I, I know that it has legs now. That that story will be continued to be told. Thank you. Thank you for that so much. Yeah, for being willing to be just uh, open, so personal and, yeah. and open because yeah. that's not an easy thing to do but yet you see God at work even in our, our deepest valley and so my goodness it was uh, you said there, yeah and you said that there were like thousands of people praying I had one organization alone that is a worldwide organization uh, Ken Gobb Worldwide Ministries and then uh, Bikers for Christ had 1600 called in praying mm. and uh, Fax Ken called me in the hospital to check up on me he's out in Yakima Washington with this he has a mega ministry he said I got people contacting me wanting to know how you're doing I have to report back <coughs> people I've never I don't know who they are he said he said there's people all, literally all over the world holding you up in prayer we need you and it's like wow and oh the other thing I, I did want to say is I forgot uh, when Mike told me uh, he was there when all these, all these phone calls came in. He's the one that said that nobody loved him. He told me, he said, if I, I'm in here, there ain't 10 people care I'm here. If I were to die today, there's not 10 people would show up. He said, your phone is wrong. I've heard you talking to these people. Your wife came in and I heard you share messages that are coming in from everywhere. He said, that must be really something. He said, you must be some kind of special person. I said, no, I am no better than you, Mike. Mm. No better than you. It's just some people care. He said, what I wouldn't give to have that many people care about me. Well, you mentioned that he had made a statement that I thought was pretty powerful. I the mean, churches in town, he said, did yeah. nothing. They just don't care. Church don't care, he said. You know, we, we've got we to gotta refocus as believers and as churches as what is really important. Are the committee meetings as important as a neighbor that is lonely? Are the committee meetings is as important as a homeless person living outside your church? Mm-hmm. You know, even your Sunday schools and stuff. I'm not saying they're not important, but is that carrying all our concentration is everything in-house when all the there's pain outside of house? Is where God wants us to minister. When Jesus looked at the on the mountain, he looked down and he says, I see them. I have compassion. I have compassion. And you got guys saying, the church has no compassion for me. You know, we got to refocus. I'll tell you, I'll never be the same. I, I told people, I was spiritually born again in 1977. I found Christ. And I told my wife just this week, I was physically born again the last few weeks. I see things. My eyes are different. My heart is different. I care more than I'm more sensitive. I cry more than a woman on PMS. <laughs> I get and every time I, I have a hard time going through stuff without breaking, without crying, and not and they're not sad tears. It's it's just it come out. It's just, it's just I get emotional. I'm over here at dialysis ministering to the folks at my where I took dialysis, and I'm loving it over there. I said, I, I never would have loved going to dialysis, sat for three and a half hours, but I'm ministering. Now, you have some pretty cool dialysis stories, and I'd like to do that on episode two, if you'll stick around with us, Pastor. Okay. Well, folks, you have just enjoyed a very special visit with our senior pastor, Pastor Richard Berry, and... 
I know that was your first message that you, when you came back, you says, we need to refocus. Amen. And so you were true to, to that thought that the Lord put on your heart. We'd love to have you partake with this ministry with us and be a partner in it. For $9 a month, you can keep someone off the street. You know, this is a listener-supported ministry here, too, this, this very radio here. So we'd love to hear from you. You can also contact us by phone at 207-474-8833. We'd love to hear from you, give you a, set up a tour, show you around the place, join us for worship. We can tell you when that happens, too. You can also write us at Shelters by Jesus, 12 McClellan Street, Skowhegan, Maine, 04976. Friends, thank you for listening. May God bless you, and uh, stay tuned for another couple episodes. Amen.